The sky is falling. The sky is falling. What in the world are you talking about? Oh, I see what you mean. There's something glistening in the sunlight. Yes. What? What is it anyway? Is it manna? It, it might be that food Moses said God was going to send us. Sure, made us wait a long time, didn't he? I thought I'd die. He doesn't expect us to gather it up, does he? I guess so.、Uh, how else are we going to get it to the table? I don't see any waiters here. Better hurry before the rest of the crowd gobbles it up. I've got the perfect place to store some extra. But Moses said we're not supposed to do that.、Uh, we're just supposed to take enough for our families.、Uh, how does the man expect us to live? Always on the edge of need. Forget it. I'm doing it my way. After all, in Egypt we had much better food arrangements than this. We deserve better. After all, we are God's chosen people, aren't we? Man, if this is all the choice we're going to have, I hardly think I'll be able to stomach it. You better count your blessings. This may just have been a conversation overheard when the Israelites first saw the manna God provided for them in the desert. They were so used to complaining to get their way, it had almost become second nature to them. God had more in mind than just feeding their hungry stomachs when He sent the manna. Today on Grace Notes, we'll glean some insight into God's training techniques as we take a look at the rest of the story. So far in our series, Lessons from the Ark, we've learned that the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence and power of God and brought blessing to those who possessed it. God instructed Moses to place three visible mementos inside the Ark to remind the Israelites and their future generations of the lessons they'd learned in their journey to the Promised Land. One of the articles was a gold jar of manna, which told of God's miraculous feeding in the desert. The ark and its contents were symbolic of God's future provision of His Son. Jesus, God's Son, replaced the need for the ark by establishing a new and perfect covenant through His death, burial, and resurrection. God's presence and blessing is in our hearts through the Holy Spirit when we receive Jesus as our Savior. Jesus is the visible reminder of God's unceasing grace to us. John six forty eight through fifty one records Jesus's words to a crowd of Jews: "I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world." Verse fifty seven continues. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. The night before his crucifixion, Jesus met with his disciples to celebrate the Passover. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, "Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me." Then he took the cup. Gave thanks and offered it to them, saying, "Drink from it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins." God uses the holy sacrament of communion as a visible reminder of His work in our behalf and His promise to save us. 
Oh, it must have been a beautiful sight for the Israelites to see the bread coming from heaven to sustain their physical life. How much more beautiful is it that Jesus came from heaven to earth to offer his body, a living sacrifice for our sins so that we can have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This beautiful picture of love should invoke in us a willingness to first accept this gift, then to offer ourselves in service to God, to spread this good news so that others can live too. How beautiful the hands that served the wine and the bread and the sons of the earth. How beautiful the feet that walked the long dusty roads and the hill to the cross. How
God's love was his primary reason for sending the manna to the Israelites. But Deuteronomy 8.16 says he also sent it to humble them. They needed to realize they were in need, incapable of saving themselves, and that he would be their provider. Exodus 16.4 also states that God was testing the Israelites to see if they would follow his instructions. He had commanded that they were to gather enough for their family for the day and completely consume it that day. On the sixth day, they were to gather two days' worth so they could rest on the seventh day. Some people gathered much and some little, but God made it so that each family had just enough. The lesson here is that it wasn't the work that people did that saved them. It was God. The people had to have the faith that the grain would sustain them and needed to exercise that faith by gathering it, but it was still God who provided the food. There were people who kept the manna longer than a day, some who gathered more than they should, some who gathered only one day's worth on the sixth day, and some who tried to gather it on the seventh. In all cases, the manna either spoiled or was not available. The parallel for us is that it is not our works that gain us salvation, it's God's grace through faith in Christ. Ephesians 2, 8-9 through 9 says, By grace are you saved through faith, and that none of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we too must realize we're incapable of saving ourselves and exercise faith by coming to Christ for salvation, and He'll give us the faith to believe. There is only one way to God, and that's through Jesus. If we try to add to that way or subtract from it, we cannot be saved. God fed the people in the wilderness for 40 years with that manna. He sheltered them from harm and led them to the promised land, where bountiful treasure awaited them, and He will do the same for us. He'll provide our daily bread, keep us from evil, and lead us to heaven, where our mansion awaits. And while He's at it, He'll also be our personal friend as we journey to his home. I found a friend, his name is Jesus. He showed me love like I'd never known. Gave his life to seal my pardon.
We pray that you've been blessed by this program. If so, why not write and tell us at Sandbeck Ministries, P.O. Box 581, Falston, Maryland, 21047. Or visit us at our website at www.gracenotesradio.com. Join us on our next program. Until then, let your grace notes be a song of praise.